This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me about it. Check this out. Oh yeah, you'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. So I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. We got a very, very dope podcast on the way for y'all. I mean, this is one that you have wanted to hear. You know, you would have needed to have been under a rock to have missed this young lady online doing her thing. We got the millennial psalm, Miss Isis Daniel, in the building. Ooh, what's up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I told you I was going to bring you out. You know. I'm happy. I'm excited. Thank you for bringing me in. Great to be here. <laughs> amazing so i have to say man i am i am a big fan i love what you're doing i love the way you're doing it um you know a way that i get people familiar with my wine community is trying to find what hip-hop artists they most relate to you know what i'm saying like who who is that who is that spirit inside you so if you could compare yourself to any artist an artist that you felt related most to your style your spirit your energy Oh what my gosh, don't do that to me. I know, um, I gotta hit you with them soul-shaking questions off top. That's how we play here. <laughs> okay, so overall vibe has always been J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar. I've always loved them. Um, however, <laughs> there's an inner ratchet in me who will always be and identify with Little Kim. I know it sounds weird, I know it sounds crazy, okay? But when I think about my childhood, um, very much relevant mm, go, go, i don't know what go. that says about me but um that's what i'm gonna go <laughs> nah with. yo look it, it says that you are a pioneer a free thinker and someone who is not concerned with how other people view them as long as they doing their thing and what they're yeah. doing is going to be legendary that you know, is so. exactly how i feel so I, I will rock with that thank you for making it make sense I mean, I see it. I see it. I love it. So what what Kim what Kim song do you feel like emulates that energy? You we can't do this. Um <laughs> Okay, you know what? I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a good one that's not too crazy so people aren't totally thrown off. But mm-hmm. um we're gonna go with no matter what people say. No matter what mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yes, uh, yes, so yes. That you know makes what I'm a lot of sense. I'm gonna rock with that one because I think it's a good choice. Everywhere I go, red car. Get the keys to my lake, total park. Then I jumps out the zone. Little Kim or girls making faces like Ace and Tor. And my BAD, GIR, LS is in the stretch. LS ain't shit, you can tell us. I gotta say, you are you are smashing this category out of the park because, like, I feel like your energy, your style, like the way that you communicate is so bright, upbeat, lively. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you you get your shit off though. You know that's honestly (laughs) that's really how you come off. So, damn, 
Amazing, amazing. So I think the hip hop community that is not familiar with you yet, they they now see who they dealing with, man. So where did the where did the passion for wine come from? Like, you know, you don't you don't come off the way that people would assume that wine culture is. You know, where did that yeah. passion in wine come from for you? So, I mean, to answer that question, I have to be clear, you know, my background wasn't in wine, my background was in music. I am a vocalist i have to say am because certain people i come can hear it. it i can hear i hear that you know i hear that little that little thing right on you the know, bottom got that little rasp i have <laughs> yeah. a very deep voice and for me to be a mezzo soprano is absolutely wild to me because i don't understand why my voice is so warm like this but <laughs> whatever um but yeah so before i got into wine i actually was a singer and i kind of you know, singer, entertainer, I have had a band, we performed, like I was that chick. So when it came to being in wine and when I discovered my passion, which a song, Maya Parrish reached out to me, she heard through the grapevine <laughs> that I drank wine and she was like, we need more people in this industry and encouraged me to take my first wine course. When I took that course, I fell in love. I just, I had no idea that number one, wine was a whole industry. I guess I never had reason to process that. Um, but then when I when I got into the science behind wine and the community of wine, everything that I love, it became a new passion. And the reason why I think I show up differently is because, yes, I love wine, but I'll always be an entertainer at the core of me. So mm, I'm always going to be singing. I, I'm always going to be writing, always going to be performing. It's just it's going to be <laughs> that energy. <laughs> always. The, the, the vibes are always going to be off the charts and and that's that's really how you come off so let me ask you this now that said how has has uh, has it been everything that you thought it would be has wine met your expectations you know honestly that question depends on what we're talking about i think as an african-american woman coming into this industry i assumed that i would get a lot of doors slammed in my face and i'll be honest with you i know that there are people i have a lot of peers who have that experience but i didn't have that a lot of people were welcoming of i guess my take on wine my approach of wine and they felt that it was refreshing so for that i will definitely say that um that was a shock not exactly how i anticipated it actually went better <laughs> But the other side of my expectations, I guess when I first got into wine, I saw that there was an issue with connecting with younger consumers. And that's why I actually named myself the Millennial Psalm, because I, at the time, was going to appeal and try to talk to millennials. Now it's become more, I'm a millennial and it's more of a label of who I am and my approach to wine is very much as a millennial, right? So I don't know, I think that I was expecting the industry to wake up a little sooner. Um, however, I think we're just now getting into a place where we recognize how dire the need to not only focus on millennials, but also Gen X, right? We are missing a vital piece of communication and it's just not, the industry just isn't wake, waking up. It's gonna be up to us to kind of do the lead work of bringing everyone together, it seems. Well, you are you are doing it. You are definitely <laughs> doing it. I mean, the thing that really impresses me about you is, I mean, everything. You got the whole package, but like the quality of your content is really A1. Now, 
you know, as a content creator, I don't think people realize how difficult, like people hear the term social media influence. No motherfucker. I influence more than social media. You heard like I, yo, man. I, I, yo. I influence yep. culture, you know? Yeah. So I think that the work that goes into it, not just understanding and being fluent in the, in the topic, but also being able to create something that's captivating and worth watching and, and listening to and engaging people in this subject that people kind of don't give a fuck about. Let's keep it real. You know what I'm saying? People don't. But, it, you know, but the then, truth is people do want to talk about it. They just don't want to talk about it in the way that is traditionally, I guess, expressed. It's not interesting. Boring. It's, it's so it's difficult that that edutainment piece, it's a hard conversion to make especially in the wine space you know because it can be so nerdy and it's expected to be to be really nerdy in that way but then there's the consistency piece the consistency that's what breaks motherfuckers like they'll come out you know a couple videos they go hard for a month yo and then what happens so talk to me about like how you developed your work ethic in being able to you know achieve the success that you have Man, listen, I did it my way, okay? And I think, I mean, I say it plainly, but that's actually the hardest part about social media. Everything in social media is about mimicking and copying what you've seen before and trying to recreate someone else's vision into your narrative so that there's a higher chance it goes viral or gains traction. And for me, that's never going to be the best way to go about social media. It's never going to be. Number one, you'll get burnt out because you're trying to live up to the expectation that you have to post every day. You lose ideas or you lose, or sometimes you get pigeonholed. When I was doing um, the Suzanne videos all the time, people started calling me a wine comedian rather than actually respecting my work. And, you know, some people feel a way they're like, well, we loved her and all that stuff. But as a wine professional who wants to be taken seriously, I mean, yes, I want to have a good time and I want to, you know, educate people in fun, inclusive, digestible ways, but I never want to be pigeonholed into a box that I don't want for myself. So you have to be cognizant of, um, and I'm sorry, if you, do you hear a dog barking in the background? No, 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 you okay. good. So <laughs> when it comes to really moving forward and being consistent, it's about finding your schedule. When I first started, I chose Thursdays. I was very nervous. I didn't like being on camera. I didn't feel comfortable talking to myself. It was strange. Everything was strange. Okay. <laughs> so I picked Thursdays and then I came up with the name Tasting Thursdays and all Thursdays, I think it was um, on YouTube at the time. And I had little clips on Instagram, but every Thursday at four o'clock, I posted a video. Mm. That's where I started. I wasn't out the gate trying to do more than what I felt comfortable doing. Once that became something I was used to, then I started adding on extra content. And even that was based off of what I felt like doing. When you try to mimic, you're never gonna be able to re-energize yourself because you're depleting yourself by trying to be someone else. And it's never gonna work that way. So all that to say in content creation, figure out what you're trying to solve, find a day if you're not going to be able to be consistent more than a day right and just stick to it i try to post multiple times during the week but guess what if i don't do anything else i will be on live on tiktok <laughs> posting my live <laughs> tasting and of course i try my best to post um i try my best to post uh my tasting thursday pre-recorded video but 
we're not a slave to this thing is the point okay right. come on rant <laughs> <laughs> that was a good rant i love i love a good rant i love a good rant <laughs> no i i just yeah man that that consistency um it's a it's a it's a muscle that needs to be developed you know gaining that discipline but you know even just from a storytelling perspective like what was that like for you to develop that uh the way that you tell stories so before anything right i told you i was a singer but also I wrote. I'm a writer. I see stories. Ah, you see, I, I, I can pick them. I can pick them. Uh. You know, it's just I'm I'm a creative person. All right, that's how I'm stimulated. I'm the person who, when I'm watching a movie, I have to tell myself to shut up because I'll accidentally say the whole entire movie because I can see storylines that clear. It's true. Right. Um. So when it comes to the creative side of telling stories, I think the reason why I'm able to break down information to under 59 seconds and it be a whole lot is because I understand the vision. How do you have this conversation in the real world? The reality is a lot of wine professionals try to shove information down your throat, but that's not how information is taken in. It's pieces, it's personality, it's moments of pauses, right? So you have to be able to create a vision where someone could see themselves in that situation and give them just enough information so that they want to go either research it themselves, ask more questions in your comments, and then now you have another 59 second video where you can, again, just tell a quick story, not the whole novel, okay? Mm. Breaking this thing into chapters and then subchapters, <laughs> like, break it down. <laughs> that I'm, I'm interested, you know, especially with your music background to hear, like, so one of the connections that I make between wine and hip hop is often is the importance of storytelling, the story that's in the bottle, mm -hmm. the story of the region, the, the culture. Um, and wine is able to do that. Now, hip hop, you know how important it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Slick Rick, the, the king of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of people that, that tell stories in, in rap and that are known for that. What artist would you say is the illest storyteller in hip hop? Ooh, not the illest. Um, honestly, I love when Nas tells stories. Mm. Um, and I get, and I could be wrong. I know that his influence was Slick Rick, right? But um, I would definitely say that Nas I enjoy because I can see it vividly in my mind. Mm. Um. And of course, there are other rappers out there that I think do a great job at that. But if I had to say my top, I would say no. Yeah, no, nah, that's L. He 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 has this way of like he doesn't he doesn't describe things apple for apple. He like mm -hmm. literally just paints an entire scene. Yeah. And like a lot of people don't really realize Nas bars aren't really metaphor driven. It's more storytelling than yes. anything else. You know, so yo, I mean, you bodying all the hip hop questions. I'm, I'm. You I mean, understand? You sure you was just singing? You sure? You sure listen, about this? Okay, so we got to be careful. Um, I, I'm a music family, and so for me, and especially being on the East Coast, I think also changes the dynamic of the conversation. But you know, my siblings, all my, mm. I got, I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of. Okay. How, how, many, my, how many siblings in there? Um, I always gotta think about it. <clears throat> so blood related, <laughs> I'll say blood related because I have right. step siblings that are my siblings. 
Um, I have four brothers and two sisters. And all of us are four years apart with the exception of my two younger brothers. There's a gap between um, my younger brother, Marcus and I. But everyone else, I have siblings that are in their 40s. Wow. So music tastes that trickle down is it's insane. Like the other, like a month ago or whenever it was ago, I was hanging out with my younger brother, Marcus, and he was playing Janet. And I was like, mm. why are we listening to what about? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that was my sister, my oldest sister's generation, right? And so I think that hip hop, rap, um, even jazz, classical, like the, our family is embedded in music. Um, which is why in the future I do like you're doing I have to incorporate music into what I do moving forward because it's such a huge part of me but talking about hip-hop I understand that there's only a certain level I can get to but trust me I can I got levels I see it I see it <laughs> I mean you un you got Nas you know how they be like yo doesn't everybody doesn't get a specific artist you 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 got Nas you yes. know um, no, so definitely I can I can see that there. Like now you drinking, um, and we talked about this a little bit before. Like um, I'm very interested in your approach, and you know you really do think about um, educating your community and your people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned here you drinking some non-alcoholic wine. I, you know, can you can you make me a fan? Like how how do you how do you talk through non-alcoholic wine? I mean, full disclosure, that is not a subject I know a ton about. I like And that's okay. I think that um we as a community don't talk about non-alcoholic wines enough. I think that it's all still rooted in, you know, that idea of capitalism that I am fighting against within the wine industry like yes we want y'all to make money but we don't want to isolate and gatekeep people and the reality is i forgot i i don't remember what the percentage is i think it's like 36 percent or something like that are non who don't drink alcohol right now that's approximately 60 million people who are not being catered to and for me i have family members very much split in half where my dad's side like wow <laughs> and mom's side, most of them don't drink alcohol at all. But when I talk about wine, they want to be a part of this journey that I'm on. You know, if I have tastings or if I'm doing anything, they want to be able to be there and support. But if they don't drink alcohol, it's almost like, what's the point of being there? And I see that in the wine industry as well, where there are approximately 60 million people who could potentially drink wine if we catered wine for them. And so right now we're going through a a shift in the wine industry where a a lot of different companies are trying to make better, high quality, non-alcoholic wines. It's still a struggle. I can say that the last few years of tasting non-alcoholic wines, it was um, was a struggle for sure. Struggle for sure. (laughs) Um, But now uh, the wines that we've been tasting, they've actually been pretty solid. And right now I'm having this wine, Naughty by Thompson and Scott best sparkling wine i've had if you are a drinker who's like oh a lot of non-alcoholic wines are sweet which i think they are they add a little bit of the must you know the unfermented grape juice so that it could have a little body without alcohol wine really does fall flat you know so you need a little bit of that sugar to thicken things up a bit right Right, but (laughs) this sparkling wine is dry and i haven't had a dry non-alcoholic wine that actually was good and Mm. this is this is actually i'm pretty impressed 
again, like I tell my followers, okay, I compare it to fried chicken. Mm. Do not bite into your air fried chicken, think it's going to taste exactly <laughs> like oil fried chicken. It's not same okay so if you're drinking this non-alcoholic wine and you're expecting it to taste like a wine with alcohol (laughs) it's not the same put it in its appropriate category and for this to not have alcohol it's good we trying to run them numbers up y'all you want to help grow the brand subscribe to the youtube right now be the first to check out new episodes of taste and notes from the streets our fire visual and event series where we pair our favorite foods from the hood with different wines from around the world i mean if you only listen to the podcast you only get half the fun so subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our youtube one so for someone like me who is interested in, you know, like I'm the kind of person, right? Not not to say that non-alcoholic wine is about to be my jam, right? But I'm the kind of person that like I list I didn't like Soldier Boy, right? Mm-hmm. But I listened to his album, every yeah. song, so that I could speak intelligently about what I did and didn't like. And don't get me wrong. I still hop about the bed and get my swag on to this day. Because it was a classic. It is what it is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't. If, if you hate on that song, you lying. That's it's just true. a good song. So for someone like me that wants to become more fluent on the topic of non-alcoholic wine, where do you think I should start? I think you should start by just buying a whole bunch and tasting them. I know that sounds ridiculous or it might not sound... Uh, as informative as you would like. But the truth is we are in a a pivotal moment within the wine industry where there are a lot of non-alcoholic wines that don't taste good and a lot that are on their way. And so Mm -hmm. to be a part of the conversation, you need to go out there and start tasting where we are currently so that as it continues to develop and grow and get better, you have a better frame of reference of what you are tasting for. You know, when we talk about alcoholic wines, we have a great understanding. Like I'm looking at my little tasting sheet I'm able to say exactly what the flavor profiles are, what is attached to secondary um, tertiary. Like, you know, I'm able to do all of that. We don't have a good understanding of what, not uh, not natural, excuse me, non-alcoholic wines typically taste like in order for us to say we need better acidity. We need more sugar. We need, we don't know. You got to develop your palate. Um, Mm -hmm. start from scratch basically so are there any specific areas that are thriving in non-alcoholic wine or is it just kind of anywhere I don't know Mm -mm. (laughs) provide information on that (laughs) because you know how it is it'd be like I in Cali they don't really mess with that but they are crushing it in Spain or Mm. you know I I feel like I did have oh man I'm I'm mad I'm I'm gonna have to ask my man man well he um he put me on with some non-alcoholic wine that was insane um at a pinch Chinese and NYC if y'all ever there go pull up on him tell him Jermaine sent you um but no that that is I gotta say man I'm I'm so interested in your approach and the way you do it and like literally you know you are being recognized in the way that you should congrats on that you know 40 under 40 you heard you know you in the club man you in the club so how how did it feel when you when you got that email i know that email when you saw that like what 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 did you what was the room like i thought it was spam I, i didn't think it was real um 
but then it turned out to be real so it worked out um i think there, <laughs> there must have been something in the email that was like all right i'll fill this link out but at first i wasn't sure i wasn't sure you have been nominated because, <laughs> like, i was what? like what me especially at the time when you know when that happened i was still in the beginning of my journey and i tell people this all the time because they looked at me a lot of people looked at me at that time and space and were like oh yeah she knows exactly what she's doing she knows Mm -hmm. where she's going she knows the answers she's trying (laughs) to provide and i had none of those things so it was a great honor to be recognized especially because i was still figuring it out like, I think that says a lot to be able to be honestly in a space where you're doing your best and you're still trying to figure it out. And people around you are like, well, you might be figuring it out, but we still see what you're doing. And congratulations on the, your progress so far. So I'm, I'm always going to be honored. I'm just now figuring out what I want to do. <laughs> you know, I think I really think it says a lot, you know, especially even being recognized uh, early on. It says a lot about one, the crave and need that there mm-hmm. was for someone that can speak to a millennial audience but not just that because people are doing it a bunch of people are out trying to do it it's who is executing who is connecting and so i think that you came at a time when there was this desperate need for it and you could deliver you know what i'm saying like which is what i feel really separated you from the crowd and and definitely why you're being recognized in that way but um for you what was it like Pre 40 under 40 and now post 40 under 40? Um, so pre 40 under 40, I was, like I said, really trying to figure out what I was trying to do. Um, every All of my content was rooted in my studies. I was still going after my level three at the time. You were um, like so, taking people on the journey. Yeah, I mean, but that's how I started. Tasting Thursdays was a way to help me study. Hmm. You know, and then <laughs> they don't know. It always starts from a selfish place. Yeah, and it's I did not... wine and hip hop because I wanted to find a way to talk about wine with my boys. Come Girls on. <laughs> but, you know, but it's still a need. And I did feel that my studying would help someone else who, you know, so it, it wasn't, it, I didn't know it was going to be all this. You know, mm-hmm. I just knew that it was in the middle of COVID. I started my page before COVID. But I started interviewing wineries and all of that during. I was taking care of my dad who was sick. Then I was taking care of my great aunt. Um, I didn't know what the heck was going on. I was really trying to figure out what this field was because I was receiving such love. I knew that I was necessary. But outside of trying to make wine more inclusive, um, you know, what was the mission? Everyone's mission was that at the time. Right. And we're going to keep it book, right? So, <laughs> so finding your true niche, because now what my main problem is, everyone's content is the same now. I feel that there are, you know, not just me, we've created a mold of what is successful. And now mm-hmm. people are tired of seeing that format, you know, doing the Instagram lives. It's, it's, it's a lot. I, the reason why I don't do it mm-hmm. as often is because people aren't as active and as tuned into it when you do it all the time. It's just not reality, right? Yeah, so at pre, I was trying to figure it out. I was getting a lot of love and a lot of respect. I was starting to travel and everything was on my dime, but I was loving that life. Now, post um, 40 Under 40, it's just a lot of, people just wanna hear my story and they want to figure out what I'm doing. 
that's what mm. um the next few years or how, how long has it been like a year or two after when did i get this you know you said I don't so know when you got, got the, the under you got the forty under four. I think that was um this last one twenty. Wait, damn, yeah. I guess it was twenty. No, it was 20, 21. 20, 21, Yeah, because we're twenty three now. Yeah, so since twenty twenty one, it's been a race of figuring out and really having a better idea of what I am trying to answer to. I was consistent mm. on social media. I obviously got more deals, more opportunities. I'm now published. Like there are a lot of different things that I have been doing, but the true grit of my journey has been figuring out what am I solving? When I started um, going on tour with La Crema for their uh, wine experience pop-up tour that they had, mm -hmm. that was when I realized, oh, I'm just here to love <laughs> on people. Like that's honestly, <laughs> But my like, point, oh, my, people like to hang out with me and do what you I know. Do. And my mm -hmm. content is such like it's about people coming and laughing, and it's about community. It's about cultivating this culture that I don't feel truly exists within the wine industry in America. We could talk about that if you want to, but it's mm. it's truly my post has been a journey of self discovery, and I'm just now, just now getting to a space where I know exactly who I am to this industry, what I'm trying to accomplish. And I have goals and business plans and a whole lot of things um, <laughs> set up so that we can we can make some true impact. Mm. So tell me, what what do you want to accomplish? Like what is what is a wine industry that you would like to be a part of look like? So um, I, right now we, we got a lot of things happening. <laughs> on Instagram, come on. Uh, but we, the world I look at is a better understanding of wine culture and community. Um, I've said it before, we are stuck in the prohibition or post prohibition where everything was underground and there was a lot of money flowing. And once it became legal again, there have been a lot of hands put in place to make sure that people are continuing to spend their money and everything is rooted not really in people or community if you go to italy if you go to france if you go to all these places around the world how they talk about wine how they consider wine how they interact around wine is not the same as the american field the reality is millennials and the generation under us we don't care about it being prestigious we we, we don't mind spending the money we want to make sure that it actually makes sense we're not just going to buy this wine because on spec wine spectator they said that it was a hundred points like it's not it's not worth it to us right right um so it's a it's a journey of just trying to figure out what that is what what's next is for me creating a space where people can come and enjoy wine as a consumer not as a mm. wine professional um i love being able to geek out but we have to create safe spaces for people who are not interested in being wine professionals we have to create a space where there are real issues. Like people don't know. I posted something that, um, a couple weeks ago asking them if they knew, if they were even aware that there is a congressional wine caucus. Yeah. And Yo, you put me on. I saw it. I was like, Yo. Why don't we know crazy. that? Especially as wine professionals, there are so many Facts. wine professionals who don't know Facts. that. And so yep. we and need I'm, to come I'm together. Deep state, yo. I'm like, Yo, that's crazy. You see what I'm saying? But why don't Definitely. we know that? As a community, I think that our priorities are off 
our, our priorities are strange. And so I'm answering your question in a very long-winded way because that's how I talk. I'm sorry. It's uh, okay. We, it's a podcast, <laughs> but we got time. <laughs> we got time. But that's, you know, that's what the issue is. It's really, we are disconnected from reality. Um, and I see myself providing and, be a par- and being a part of a true wine community that's centered in people and their needs. I understand that we, as an industry, want to make sure that we're still making money. Like I, what is that article? Um, article about, it was a press release that I was telling y'all about with the Congressional Wine Caucus. And they were celebrating that wine grapes are grown in all 50 states. They say that um, there's wine community contributes $276 billion towards our economy and creates nearly 2 million jobs. So our industry is huge, very impactful mm-hmm. to our community, our culture, our great United States. But the people who are a part of it aren't even aware that the people making decisions and passing laws exist. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? That's not mm-hmm. the wine industry I'm trying to be in part of. Because how and why? That means there are about 22 million jobs, 2 million people out there totally disconnected from what we are we are experiencing in our day to day. It doesn't make sense to me. Am I, do I sound crazy? Do I sound? Nah, nah, you, yo, hold up. Let me just move <laughs> your soapbox over. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Man, listen. Nah, nah, that was, you was, I, um, and that's, I, I wanted to kind of like highlight exactly why I thought you were so special in this space. Um, because like the things that you're talking about are things that are absolutely relevant to everyone two people that are even like dipping their toe in and out of wine you know it's um, it's community building it's community why can't building. i ship my like, wine people don't like the i, I compare it to music so often because like you'll go to a club you won't know the song you won't ask yo you hear that drum beat and blah, like yo you can just sometimes just enjoy something and not need to analyze every aspect of what you're enjoying and why like i think that that's something that like just the pure pleasure aspect of it why we ain't got no pleasure notes Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like just like how much pleasure is this wine giving you you know and that that's what i like to focus on and i love your mix of uh edutainment man straight up and down you know it's you keep it live you know no matter what they say okay i'm always <laughs> gonna be me now if there's anything i'm grateful for is my comfort level within myself because i don't think i would be successful if it wasn't for my personality i really right. don't think not, this is probably terrible to say I really don't think I'm that special I think that people just <laughs> like me and, um, and I think that's enough I think that's okay I, I don't have a problem yeah. but you know what right. you just said something mm. and I realized you might be the only person I could talk to about this because every totally. time I say it people look at me like I'm crazy so you know one of the main issues within wine is the three tier system right you got the winery mm-hmm. who makes the wine then you have importers distributors and then you have retail before it ever touches the consumer's hands right mm-hmm. and so the problem was a couple weeks ago um, on my podcast the millennial song podcast i um talked about i had an issue with black wines not being readily available mm-hmm. and then a mentor called me and told me straight up she was like well the problem is distribution we can't get our hands on the wines 
right? And so to me, when she was talking about it, I really did feel that there's a deeper connection between wine and music, especially when you talk about being an artist. Because as soon as you want to put your music out there, there are all these hands that you almost have to pay, especially if you're not, if you're signed to a label. If you're independent, there, someone's always going to have a hand in your pot. In the market, right. But I do think that there's this really interesting correlation between being an artist as far as being a winemaker and creating your own wine or brand and also being an artist as a vocal rapper any type of you know performing artist where there's just so many hands in the pot and it ain't right yeah yeah it's true you know some somewhere on that chain people's hands aren't gonna be right like so you know i also um work as a consultant in a lot of different aspects and navigating that three-tier system um just even from a sales perspective like a lot some so often store owners actual store owners will say yeah my my people don't drink that these ain't your people (laughs) my crowd don't drink that you don't know what they drink because you're not offering and this is me like moving through trying to explain Lambrusco to, mm-hmm. to different producers that don't have something like that. Obviously it'd be something that would fit great in the flavor profile of this community. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they just don't understand that something exists. So, you know, we have to do a better job about putting more options in front of people instead of just the same exact thing. And pushing it. You know, and that, that's so the that's part. the other piece. Uh-huh. So it's like a lot of times the when the money comes in it's whoever's paying. I mean, that's 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 the reality of, you know, and it's hard to keep up with the marketing dollars. And the marketing dollars work a lot of different ways. You don't, <laughs> you and know, marketing so. marketing dollars are pretty doggone big. Mm-hmm. I asked a friend the other day about that. I was like, so how much, if you, if your brand had no money at all, none. And you wanted to get the um, amount of distribution and attention as you would like and marketing and everything else that goes into it. How much money would you need? And he was like, I mean, two million will be comfy. But if not that, 270,000, I mean, Mm. 750, excuse me, I don't know what I said. 750,000 would also be pretty great. And it's like these small brands, they don't, where you getting that money? They don't have that. They don't have that. It's... I mean, that's why I think, you know, for me, I definitely feel a responsibility to even like, you know, highlight some smaller brands. Like, don't get me wrong. I work with everybody, but it's finding different ways to connect that. But with that, you know, the thing that I realize is on that, especially on a distributor level, distributors want to sell anything that people will buy. You know, it's not a matter of like, yo, I don't want to sell this because this person's black. The demand has to be there and the, and it'll be sold. So I think that the more that people like us do these things that we're doing and open things up, bring light to certain things to actually create that demand. I do think that we're going to start to see a big change in that. But what does that look like? Because that's what I'm having a hard time understanding all the way because new brands come out and Mm -hmm. new brands can some have money some don't but the ones that have enough that should have some type of leverage and push you still don't see them as often um and there's always this conversation again we don't have to just talk about black wine yeah yeah yeah, easier (laughs) example (laughs) you know what i'm saying just you know goes across the board y'all but (laughs) 
<laughs> when you talk about these brands that you know there's always a when you first mention it well is the wine good is it good quality and you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i feel like there are all of these extra layers that other brands would walk in they would have the money and they'll get pushed and have support versus everyone else a lot of minority brands feeling the need to prove themselves worthy of that push so what what do we do as a community to get them to know that we're here and we do want these wines outside of obviously knocking on doors ourselves individually i mean for me i feel like um i think that we're doing it you know i think that it's just things take time to happen and things take time to develop but you know you think about the community that you're creating you know, you think about the community that I'm creating, you know, people like uh, Tahira uh, Habibi, people like Derek Westbrook. Like, this is a space that is absolutely, you know, West Side Wino, shout out to my guy. Like, this is a space that's absolutely growing and we're constantly cultivating more and more people. Um, I think that, and, and ultimately people wanna, wine is about relationships and how you relate to, to people. You know, so often, you know, I, I go overseas, I connect with the winemaker. Sometimes I like the wine that much more. People like mm -hmm. to do business with people that they like, you know. So a lot of times some of this stuff is mental. So the more that we create these spaces where we're seeing and, and operating around more people that we relate to, I think that's how this grows. But it, 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 be, it starts with us becoming interested and educated and, mm -hmm. and developing and creating that demand. Um, so it's, it's up to us, you know, we just got to keep doing the work. Like people don't, people don't think we, we for real, people don't think we exist. You know, that's a big part of like why I try to grab people from the top down, put them on my show. Like, yo, look, this is yeah. what's happening. Like, and to the point of, um, like for me, I think our culture is the most powerful thing that we have and our culture is ours. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do to protect it. I think about a brand like Hypnotic. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, I've heard this from some inside sources, you know, that were high up in Alizé at the time. Now, you remember Hypnotic was the Alizé killer. Mm -hmm. You know, it was basically the same exact thing, like cognac, you know, uh, flavor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cognac with some Kool-Aid in it. Come on. <laughs> you know? the, the, that, so, that blue but, was just so vibrant. <laughs> But that said, you think about how similar Hypnotic and Alizé was. Now, I spoke to like a high up that was at Cobrin at that time when Alizé dropped. And I was like, yo, so what happened with it? He's like, yo, you, you ever heard of this drink, um, Hypnotic? From the horse's mouth told me that Hypnotic bodied him. And when you think about what the difference between Hypnotic and Alizé was, Alizé had way more marketing dollars, right? But guess what was happening? Mm, hypnotic was a part of the culture yeah. like for real it was in that fab video <laughs> you know what i'm saying and then it was in your store so it was like okay it was a part it was a genuine and true part of our culture it was ours you know shout out to my man nick storm you know that was salesman number two but <laughs> you see like i think that we need to find more ways to do that in wine and you know make it ours make it a part of ours because our culture is ours but that's and what i'm that's doing the, honey um, that's what you're doing me, and you and you bodying them out here end of this year you're gonna see what i'm talking about because <laughs> the reality is um 
and I've been saying this and hopefully I don't offend anyone when I say it, but I use the analogy of like Jesus leaving the synagogue. Like we got to get out of what we understand wine to be because that is dying. Statistics have shown that world and how it is perceived and experienced is not working. Okay. The only way for us to get true answers and solutions is if we step outside of the norm and figure out what is the new norm, right? Same thing happened with COVID, okay? The world is changed. It's not the same. We had to move yeah. on. We had to pivot or else we wouldn't be, would, would, we wouldn't have survived, right? So for me, that's what my team and I are working on. We want to create a space where culture is cultivated and not restrained. Like, you know, culture has to be able to evolve, right? Um, and so that's what I'm focusing on. The nurturing, the evolution, this is my business um, mission statement. We are nurturing the evolution of wine culture and community as the wine lover evolves. It's just to understand the people, to get back to the root of what that is. What do they want? How do they see wine? And what would they like it to look like for them moving forward? Um, So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. I have to say, man, congratulations. Because you ain't trying, you doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I, I, I absolutely would look at you and what you do as the template uh and the standard for what people should strive to to be doing in your space super professional clear great content you're doing it man congratulations thank you (laughs) but you too i mean i love what you're doing i think that any time you are able to find a way to make wine personal you are doing great work because again, it's all about community and you focusing on your passion and your history and where you came from and bringing it here. I mean, even if you said you started this podcast, you know, so you could talk about wine with you, with your homie, <laughs> it still is, um, it's still a beautiful vision to bring people together and have two dynamic conversations, two interests colliding or one interest so that the other can, you know, kind of develop. It's still a beautiful, beautiful work you're doing. For sure. Oh, I appreciate you. It was fun, and I'm sure you know how difficult it is. Uh, <laughs> okay, we, we keep pushing. We keep pushing. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, how does everyone jump in and support you? Like, what what do we need to do after this podcast? What you need to do is stop playing, okay? Mm. Grab your phone, follow me at The Millennial Song. Okay, and we're going to make sure it's in the description so y'all don't misspell it. Don't worry. There are two N's and not one in millennial. Mm, um, but me. yes, it's talk everywhere. Man, if I had known that people couldn't smell millennial, I would not have picked that as my name. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> Nobody can spell millennial. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, you can follow me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, Patreon as well. And you guys, I'm getting ready to go to Italy, so you definitely need to be following Ooh. because I'm about you gonna to go You going to be in Italy? Man, I'm I'm about to be in Sicily. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Talk yeah. to him. Talk to so, him. So make sure that you guys are keyed in and tuned in because it's we're about to have some good time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, Isis, thank you for joining me on the show. Greatly appreciated and congrats again, man. Thank Holla. you for having me. This was a moment in wine and hip hop brought to you by Crew Love.